0: Hi everyone, and welcome to the Shopstool podcast, a podcast for woodworkers and the maker community in general. This is episode number 15. My name is Robin Lewis from robinlewismakes.com. I'm joined by Joey Chalk from Kingpost Timberworks. Hello. And unfortunately, Jordan Crawford from Periodic Furniture Studio is not with us today. Well, he's okay, he's just not in the podcast. We live stream the recording on YouTube every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time or UTC plus 10, or you can watch or listen to it later on YouTube, iTunes or SoundCloud. I wanna say hello to everyone in the chat. We'll get to your comments towards the end of the show, but feel free to chat amongst yourselves. The idea being that this is also a place for people to meet. So in terms of announcements, a uh, couple of announcements this week. The first, um, Joey, I don't know if you saw that you were featured in a popular woodworking video on YouTube.
1: Um, I didn't know. Yeah. I, I was in a comment, I thought, but I didn't think I was featured in the video.
0: Yeah, so that comment was. From the Shopstool Podcast website, I put out their comment. Um, uh-huh. You were the uh, popular woodworking magazine, which everyone knows has been around for a million years. Right. On their YouTube page, they've got something called uh, Popwood Playback segment, which is or Popwood Playback, which is where they basically look at other creators, and right. yeah, yeah. they mentioned you and uh, oh, cool. quite a few people in the comments are like, "Hey,
1: I know Joey did so, yeah, it's oh, pretty cool." cool. Uh, that's cause my Instagram went crazy for a, a brief moment and I was like, what's going on? And actually I think the wood knight mentioned that, um, someone had, there was something on YouTube, but all I yeah. found was I think Leroy actually saying something about me and I was like, okay, but I don't see why that's driven like 400 <laughs> people to follow yeah. me on Instagram. So I didn't actually see any spike on YouTube. I just saw Instagram spikes. So.
0: Yeah, now I wanted to ask if you'd if you'd noticed anything because I would have thought because that's quite a, a – a, a, yeah not necessarily a big audience, especially com- compared to the growth of your channel, but a, a wider, different, mm. more diverse audience. And that's why I wondered if you might see some new oh. people coming on.
1: Uh, well, subscribers really has just been kind of steady. Like I said, I haven't really noticed a – a blimp but I would I'll go and have check that out later on because uh, that's always interesting to see what people have to say yeah
0: cool yeah Le- just just on that note Leroy Leroy was actually the one who pinged me to let me know that it was there so thanks for that uh-huh. Leroy I, I appreciate that um, I also want to say hi to Nick from Padula Studios he got in touch with me just to say you know thanks oh, yeah. for the shout out um, yeah, yeah
1: same
0: he's, a, he's a listener of the, po- the podcast now so that's pretty cool
1: that's, that's cool yeah, I said uh, next time I'm in his area or he's in my area, go and have a hangout. But chances of that are not great at the moment, but <laughs> at some point.
0: Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's about it for announcements. Uh, so let's do a quick Did we say what Jordan's doing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, actually, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very good point. Um, so the reason Jordan is not in the show with us tonight is he's a – is it a stage manager or? Yeah,
1: uh, I think he's like this. Hmm, I would guess he's yeah, stage. And I don't think it's a stage manager, but it would be like the stage carpenter man. Yeah, he works with the,
0: with the props. Anyway, yeah. so he's doing a stage show at the moment. Um, we tried so hard to try and work this out so that he could be. Um, so that he could do the shows with us on Thursday. It just didn't work, which is why from next week, we're gonna start, we're gonna move the podcast to Monday evenings, same time. And we're gonna do that for four weeks in a row. So the whole month of March, the uh, podcast will be on Mondays. Um, we hope that it doesn't affect too many people in terms of jumping on. It's just that's the only time the three of us can actually get together during the evenings. Um, and as I say, if it doesn't work, you know, we will be going back to the regular regular scheduling mm. from April onwards.
1: So, and yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Jordan may pop his head in at, at any point, but probably not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So
0: let's hear what you're working on.
1: Joe? What am I working on? Uh, so, I finished the kitchen that I was working on, the plywood kitchen, and finished up the video for it. Well, pretty much finished the video. I'm pretty happy with it. Um, and I'm installing that kitchen on Monday. So, hopefully, I'll get some finishing shots. Well, as finished as I can get, it's not going to have the appliances in it. It's not going to have the bench top because that's going to be a stainless steel bench top, which has got to be templated after my install. So I'm, I'm never going to see the finished job, but, um, um, I've done, I think I've done a slightly different video for this kitchen. So uh, it's a, I think it's a bit more how to than my usual videos. Um, which oh, I would think, you not
0: consider your videos how to,
1: well, I don't know. Like, I think I gloss over too much, but, um, oh, okay, I, yeah, I enough, don't yeah. want to spend too long just blabbing on about mm-hmm. stuff either. So, um, because I guess right from the start, I've always kind of thought my videos were were not for beginners. Um, Mm. And that if you're watching my videos to take tips, you're probably already kind of somewhat accomplished and kind of understand what's going on. And you might just be picking out the odd little snippet of goodness. Um, And I actually get some hate from that. I get quite a few (laughs) comments saying, how do you expect some beginner to um, do this? And I'm like, uh, well, don't watch my channel. If you're a big <laughs> yeah. <channel. laughs> it's not really channel's not helping me fix my motor car. This no. is ridiculous, yeah. It's not really how what I'm gonna kind of set up for. Um, so I, wish, I also think that's an interesting um opinion that's out there that all woodworking channels should be basic how to's,
0: mm.
1: yeah. There's almost a standard like, perception, thing. yeah. That, you should just be able to google it and I'll get the easiest how to do it with a, a skill saw or something like you know it's not always the case yeah that's um, actually very interesting there is this
0: um, because we've all been doing it like that we've almost set this precedence now um, and maybe that's why some channels shine over other channels because um, as you say your channel you're doing something that not everyone can emulate therefore it's it's interesting exciting and yeah. this, there's just so many people are out there doing the same old how to
1: explain it's, it's do the same the thing the tricks and it's all the stuff you've seen before Mm-mm. um to a certain point i think um so yeah so i thought i spent a bit more time on this video with how to's because i i feel like i haven't seen a really good i don't think i've actually seen a kitchen build properly on youtube i think a lot of people have done cheap kitchen versions um Like I know um, Ben, Benjamin Ueda did uh, his kitchen build. And I actually watched that with interest because I thought, oh, here's someone who's going to do like a a really nice, easy cabinet job. But it just turned out to be four-foot-twos and some pieces of plywood. Yeah, because that was more of just a shelving setup with the top. Yeah, was like, like, "Ah, all right, that's just kind of a really basic shelf. Okay, it works. But so uh, I'm kind of interested to see what the reaction is with this video because I think, one, if you're not interested in, making cabinets or kitchens and you're probably going to hate it but i think that it will be long term quite a good video for people who uh, are looking for that bit of info because it's mm-hmm. really easy to make these things yourself if you just kind of know <laughs> how it's done <laughs> well uh, or some some basic um
0: yeah. yeah the ways yeah the sort of the not the tips and tricks but like the the pit, if you know the pitfalls going in yeah what, the, the order of the steps then it's not too difficult yeah
1: no, Ian, there is no pocket screws in my kitchen. <laughs> Although, funny enough, I could have done with one or two, but I actually I did I worked around it because <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to use it. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so that that's coming along. Um I had someone drop off some old like 1910 um, oak uh like a vanity dresser.
0: Yeah, I saw that on Instagram.
1: Um and Gonna st- I'm starting to strip it back. So that's um, interesting. I don't usually do that kind of restoration kind of thing. Um, oh, I don't know. And probably some people have seen on my Instagram. I've been working on this display stand for Sorry, a that, hack of that, concrete.
0: That's yeah, what I'm that's, thinking of. Not yeah. yeah, that's it, Jenny.
1: Um, and so I had was going to have two weeks to make this thing, and. The walnut plywood veneer, the veneered veneer walnut plywood, however, however you want to say it. Um, it just took so long. It got lost in shipping. They said it was delivered to me and the shipping company didn't know where it was. And uh, I ended up going to a, a warehouse at the end of my street who often get deliveries from the same supplier. I thought they might have had it by accident. Uh, as it turns out, the guys in there knew me. They were like, hey, let me watch your videos. <laughs> and, uh, and so I got talking to the guy in there and found a stack of, uh, a stack, found about three sheets of oak veneered birch plywood that's been in their workshop for like 10 years. Yeah. And um, I said, oh, I'll, I'll have that. And so I'm getting that for like the price of just regular birch ply. So that's awesome. I'm going to make my desk out of that. So that's a cool uh, cool job I've got coming up as well. So. Oh, so you're not using the oak in place of the no, walnut? No, I was going to actually. I was about just, to uh, ring the client yeah. and say, hey, can we just change change the oak instead of walnut? And then like three hours later, the um, the walnut shows up uh, on a completely different carrier to who it was meant to be with. He, he No idea how it got got with them anyway. So I've just been rushing through that, that build uh, of people who don't know it's a I've got a sample of of underfloor heating in a concrete slab. So I've got this piece of like one meter by five hundred mil seventy mil thick polished concrete. that has got water pipes in it. They're going to run hot water through it and heat up the um, the concrete. And it, they just want to stand to so people can touch it at like home shows and things like that.
0: So you're not seeing you're not seeing the underside. You're seeing uh, the top side. It's
1: just the top. But then, when the guy came and dropped it off, he was started talking about all this fancy stuff like dark walnut, and they wanted like everything to be like a really nice piece of furniture. And I'm just kind of like, okay,
0: <laughs> not not from, not the same as the original quote.
1: Uh no, not at all, actually. And the price like tripled by the time he left, but he didn't seem to care about it. So, um, so yeah, I just finished that this afternoon. I'm dropping it off tomorrow. So um, the video for that is just about finished as well. So,
0: yeah, busy what, stuff. What a, what a bizarre thing to show off because if is, is there any way to see the piping in the concrete?
1: Uh, no, their company makes the heat pumps that produce the hot water. Mm. And so I guess they just want to have a piece of flooring there to say this is how hot your floor could be. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it just it seems so pump. bizarre. Like you could just put like put it on top of a stove plate, and it would
0: warm up, and it would have the same yeah. effect. Yeah, it's just, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying it just yeah. seems like an interesting
1: way to. But picture. that's a really weird thing because uh, what kind of threw me is he said, "I want the the piece of concrete to be on this 20 degree angle," and I was like, "Okay," but then you want a lid on it, so then I've got this weird kind of triangular lid. This like a that makes it. So you end up with a square box when it's all closed up and then the lid opens up, which is like a weird triangle shape. And then he said, Oh, and the lid needs to come on and off as well. We might not leave the lid on. Mm. So then I had to find these hinges, which, uh, I can, they have a oh, spring loaded
0: and be removable.
1: Yeah. So they've got a spring loaded hinge, a uh, spring loaded pin on the hinge. Mm. two hinges and you can unclip it and take the whole thing off and then put it back on. But it's, it's just so kind of top heavy and like the whole thing, it's a really weird design, but it's what he wanted. so <laughs>
0: Yeah.
1: Interesting. Strange, strange stuff. Yeah. Customer gets what the customer wants. So yep. yeah. So um, you've
0: been uh, mopping, have you? Yeah. Uh, so not too much has actually happened in the shop this week, but yeah, for those of you who don't follow me on Instagram, uh, Yesterday, Townsville had, well, over the last couple of days, Townsville has had this very unique weather system where you have two low-pressure systems at different heights. We've had one over us for a while, and this upper low-pressure system has come over the top, and it's basically, if you look at it from, you know, the, the images from space, it just looks like there's a hurricane or a cyclone over Townsville, and it just slowly crept up on us. Anyway, buckets it down with rain. It's been pouring with rain. We've had... In my area 200 mil over 24 hours like Jeez. our dam has been 15 for the for, for like the whole time i've lived here it's gone from 15 to 70 percent in a matter of days holy <laughs> oh, shit yeah it's it's brilliant because the city needs it but anyway um when i when i built this workshop one of the issues that i always had and the engineer told me was that if it rains hard it's going to fill up and I took his advice and I was like, oh, it's fine. It's Townsville. It never rains in Townsville. And <laughs> last- <laughs> yesterday just kept coming and coming and coming and started filling up outside the workshop. And I've got this, the threshold into the workshop are these two treated pine sleepers. So they're the 50 mil ones. Yeah. I used them. They're, they're not very stable, but they I knew that there was always an issue with water damage. So at least they wouldn't rot. But that's cool because you get like a like a 100 mil spacer. And yeah. I just was watching the water at 100 mil 75, 50, and it got all the way up to about um, 10, 20 mil before it was coming wow. over the threshold. And I was just running around. I was like, oh and I just ran in here. I've put all my tools onto wheels for this purpose, just in yes. case. And everything from this side of the workshop just got wheeled up to that side. Cause there's probably about a 50 mil fall from okay. one side to the other. Yep. And I wheeled everything up and I was just, and it was this horrible feeling of just watching.
1: and and at any moment it could just go bloop and it was into the workshop i mean on on the plus side it's probably only going to happen like once every five or ten years but um oh yeah
0: absolutely like um as i say since i've been in townsville the dam's never gone up to never gone past 20 percent full and it's been like that for a couple of years so this is this is record-breaking stuff that we're having having so hopefully um well, no, I hope that the rain continues, but I just hope that I'm better prepared for it next time. Uh, so anyway, so I was sitting here just watching the outside of my shop. The water was just coming up, coming up, coming up, and there was nothing I could do. And um, and then the rain eased off, and I thought, I've dodged a bullet. Awesome. Mm-hmm. But then what happened was the wall on the low side of the workshop on the outside was under probably maybe right. a hundred of water. Right. And where the able uh, – the expansion joint is between the wall and the old concrete. The water just started seeping in. Awesome. All the cracks on, on the slab, because this is just a, a junky old slab. It's not, yeah. you know, some poor property. <clears throat> All the cracks started coming up through there. And next thing I knew, I had about uh, 10 mil, 15 mil worth of water at the bottom corner of the workshop. So I thought, like, I thought I'd got around it. Um, but it ended up coming in from a different area, so I need to get that outside waterproofed. Um, that's
1: That's yeah, not easy actually, because uh, you have to dig, You're gonna have to dig that out. Is that what you're gonna do? And then
0: I'm hope, I'm hoping. So what I what I think the issue is is the so the wall is sitting on the footing. Yeah. So the the the. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I would assume that the the connection between the wall and the footing is going to be watertight because they built the footing. They built the. No. Does it, does the water just
1: come well, through? Mortar them? and blocks are not waterproof. Okay,
0: yeah, I, w- I thought that might be
1: the case. So, so in that... the fact, that bricks stay wet too long. They become very soft and brittle, and they can just crumble apart. Mm. Um, so that's why you need to get the water away from them. So um, over here, in that case. What you would do is you dig down to expose the, probably the first 100 or 200 mil of the footing and you put like a torch on membrane like a bitumen torch on like they literally burn it on and it sticks and it covers that join between the footing and the blocks and you would come up to just above ground level with that so you have this big bitumen sheet that's like fixed on and that will not leak but it's not cheap either. <laughs>
0: Now you talk about a torch on membrane, what's mm. what's that?
1: So it's a it's a sheet of like bitumen kind of felty fabric, it's probably about 4 or 5 mil thick mm. and they have like gas blowtorch and they burn and melt the back of the bitumen sheet and then p- press it onto the concrete right. um, or whatever it is that's being waterproofed they do roofs with it as well um, and that I mean, that is 100% waterproof when it's done properly, but it's it's not the cheapest thing to do. So I've got the bitumen paint, which is probably not yeah. as good, but it, I assume it works, but it doesn't fill gaps. It seals. What it's made for is to seal the concrete blocks so they don't suck up water like a sponge over time. Mm. But it won't seal a gap in the mortar or little you know holes and stuff.
0: But surely if yeah. you slap it on thick enough, that's going to... Well,
1: Absorb. you could try i mean that'd be better than nothing but it's not nearly as good as a membrane
0: yeah yeah well the the actual footing is uh just above ground level because it runs right. from one side to the other and the ground yeah. slopes it's actually at ground level if not a little bit higher so the connection between the the footing and the, the block i should be able to get that okay because that never actually sees dirt it's always clear
1: but i just wonder though because you had water coming up in through the cracks that you have in the flooring right so that means there's no plastic under your old slab so do you think the water is just getting under the footing and saturating the dirt and then just coming up through the crack anyway
0: correct yeah that's exactly what it's doing so this slab sealing
1: that sealing that joint is not actually going to help a heck of a lot
0: Oh, no. So, so the water coming through the cracks is it's, I mean, that's minor. It, it's, right. you know, it's not, it just showed, yeah, it's not, it's not like it's pouring out. It's just a bit damp. It's mainly that's that, that able flex join. That is, that's where I suspect it's coming in. Right. So look, by no means is this going to solve the problem. Yeah. It's yeah. just going to improve it for the unlikely event that it happens again. So I think I'm going to go with what you said, dig down, mm. um, you know, further down on the footing Come up over probably two block high because that's about as high as it was. Um, Technically, this bitumen you're not supposed to paint over, but I've painted over it in the past, and it does hold. You just put enough coats on it. Eventually, eventually sticks. Um, And then after that, it's a workshop. You know, it's not meant to be uh, a living area, so it is what it is. And funnily enough, the one cool thing about it seeping in is that when the water then receded, all the water
1: left. Oh no, so yeah, I, that's true. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so I
0: don't actually have a pool now. Um, it's just all damp in here. It's, it's so icky in here. Like I've got the aircon running to keep it cool. So <laughs> it's just cold and damp, and it just is <laughs> the most depressing feeling being in here. Good dungeon. Um, so I apparently the this main system is easing off now, so we're we shouldn't expect any more heavy rain. I believe there's more on the way next week, but who knows if that'll happen. So just like if we can just get like a couple days that I can get some towels and and, and stuff in here to, to dry it up, it'll be back to normal. And um, yeah, lesson learned. I need to fix the all, all the water coming off this roof. It's got to go somewhere else. I can't let it just land in the yard. All right. So that's me. All right, so this week we decided because John wasn't able to make it, we were just gonna dedicate it strictly to questions instead of having a usual topic. So over the week, we've had some people uh, submit some questions. Thank you to everyone who did, really do appreciate it. And I thought we would just start with the, um, the oldest one first and then we'll work our way through. And yeah, we'll see how we go with that. So the first one, sorry, Joe.
1: No, oh, there's one in the chat too, as well.
0: So yeah, I've got that. So from Trent Baldwin, I'm currently working on building a shaker-style workbench. I want to add holes for dogs or hold downs. What do you suggest for drilling the holes? I'm worried about keeping the holes straight. I believe 19 millimeter holes will allow me to use a commercially available dog. Mm-hmm. Any suggestions or comments would be greatly appreciated.
1: Yes, well. Um, I did mine on the drill press and if you go and have a look at my workbench video you see what I did I glued up my workbench top apart from the front piece that was going to have all the the holes and the vice cutouts and everything in it and so then I could just handle that one piece of 150 by 70 and prop it up on some blocks up at my drill press level. Where I could make all the um, the holes with the drill press. And then then I glued on the last piece onto the tabletop. Um, I think that's the way I did it. Yeah.
0: Um, now the, the dogs obviously have to be as, as perpendicular as possible, but they don't have to be
1: perfect. Do they? Uh, probably with dogs, ideally uh because they're going to be holding well they don't have to be but it's ideal because when you're clamping with the tail vice if your dog is leaning away from the vice yeah but it's gonna have
0: to be a fair bit of a lean for it to pop off it could start creeping up
1: yeah but i mean it's just one of those in actual fact maybe if it was leaning into the vice slightly it would be even better because it would pull it down the other way but yeah um there's a, a few ways of seeing guys do if you're going to do it with like a hand drill, uh, you would just make up, um, well you could make up like a little plywood jig that kind of references on some parts of the, the drill. So essentially you make like a tunnel where the drill fits down and you drill down with that. Um, the old school way is to use two mirrors and put them on the bench. And then you can reference off both, yeah, you can reference off both mirrors, um, to make sure you're still plumb. So are the the mirrors on that side or? You set up a mirror in front of where you're drilling into one side. And I believe if I remember correctly, they will, you put a perpendicular line on that mirror. So as long as the mirrors, say if your workbench is level, you put a line down the middle of your mirror, um, that's going to be vertical. And so, as long as you keep your drill bit in line with the lines on the mirror, you're going to stay uh, vertical. Oh wow,
0: that's that's um, so that, I've, I've never I've never even heard of this, but I'm wondering if there's a YouTube video out there with. I'm
1: sure it. there's a lot of old boys still doing it because you use it when you're using a, um, a a brace and bit like an old school drill. You've got a bit lot more time to work out what you're doing and where you're holding it, and with an auger bit. Once, once the bit catches and starts pulling itself into the timber, um, you know, it's a lot easier to then concentrate on your being plumb. Whereas with a modern um, battery drill, things happen so quickly that uh, it's, you know, especially, again, with, if you're trying to drill with an auger bit on a, on a battery drill, that thing's just going to plow through so quickly yeah. that you don't really have time to start plumbing things up. And that's where you probably really need a jig that's actually going to restrain the drill itself um, to to let it drill plumb. Yeah, I made that mistake
0: way back in the day when I was I didn't have a countersink bits, so I put on a big ten mil
1: bits and I thought
0: yeah. I'll just quickly do that straight through. Yeah. The whole the whole um, the hole
1: was just trash after that because it just run shot it, straight through it. Run it in reverse
0: ah yeah i've heard that actually i have and heard that especially
1: with software just reverse and push hard and you get the same countersink mm. or just actually have a countersink but <laughs> yeah i had been running mine through it was either sti- uh, it was either steel or
0: copper and it had just destroyed it so i was going for second best thing um i have seen matthias Wandel. he just uses a block of wood and he references off that you know um yeah it's you can a have a block. guide yep and that's why i asked about how accurate it has to be because you know, five degrees to either side, is that going to make... Because if, if that's not going to make a huge difference, then
1: you I, could probably just do that. For hold downs, I don't think it makes a difference. And in actual fact, hold downs work slightly better, I find, when the hole is slightly bigger than the, the shaft. Um, it can be really tricky getting the hold, hold fast out when, mm. when it's a really tight fit, um, especially with... I've got the Veritas hold downs and they I've got a serrated shaft and when they're new and it's to give extra grip when it's mm. going through the hole in the bench and when the hold downs are new, they, um, they're very, it's like, it's like trying to pull out a rasp and it can be really yeah. difficult to, to pull it out of the hole. If it's, if it's a snug fit, it's
0: like a ring shank nail. It's not supposed
1: to yeah. come out. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So,
0: Interesting. All right. Well, yeah, um, Trane, I hope that that's close to your answer. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to go look up this mirror thing. That's that's amazing. It's I can't really believe cool. I've never seen this before.
1: I saw one uh, on Instagram recently as well, someone doing it. Um, who was it? Maybe is it Bench Hadley Furniture? Have you heard of him? Mm-mm. I think it was him. He had a picture of a couple of mirrors set up. Yeah, I think it was him because he's making some um, – uh, he's making a, a set of chairs and he needed, I think he had it set up on a specific angle for drilling the holes, the chair backs, and he was using the mirror system. I think that's what it was, um, to drill was, on a specific angle instead so of an square. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that cool. was with a brace and bit as well. So, yeah.
0: All right. So we're from Rob Parker, we've got, how about wood glues? I noticed you use, uh, so I- used old Acquid here, Robert. You know, I've never actually said, I've seen it a million times in the bottle, but I've never yeah. actually said the name out loud. And Jordan, you use a US-1 uh, tight bond. Yeah. New Zealand has both Oz and US glues, I guess. Joey, so please discuss brands and reasoning behind your choice. Um, well, I'm, I'll start. I've always just used that Acquid here, just purely because that's what I started using in the beginning and it's never failed. Uh, Mm. I'm not, you know, no way would I ever endorse it. I'm sure there are a lot better glues out there. I'm sure there's a lot worse glues out there. And every time I think, "Ah, on this project, I'm gonna try something new. I get to the glue aisle and I'm staring at all of them and I'm going, do I I wanna take that chance? (laughs) Do I I wanna try it on this? And then just think, nope. Which is probably stupid because it it is one of the dearer glues, um, you know, buying it from a a hardware store. No, 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 I, so I use this aqua. aqua oh, the It's a Selys right. product. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of people use uh, a seeker wood glue. Oh, I okay. Like, sure. like
1: a, a PVA
0: style. Yeah, yeah it's, it's still a PVA, but I, I can't yeah. remember the exact name of it, but I know it's seeker. Um, and then obviously all, all the tight bond and stuff. What I really need to do is go and, we've talked about this before, buy the glue in a gigantic jug and yeah. then just distill it. Because for a small 500 mil, I think i'm spending like close to 30 bucks which is looking at all the other glues is, it's, is is pretty expensive yeah so yeah the only reason i've i've used that is because it's just always worked for me it's the exterior glue again the mentality is just mm. if it works outside it's going to yeah, work
1: absolutely like gangbusters yeah. I on mean
0: internal furniture
1: i use the same stuff for a long time and then mainly because i could buy it in four liter Four liter bottles from the hardware store when I was getting going. <clears throat> um, it's great stuff. And to be honest, it's funny the question is asked because I was thinking about this today. Um, I I have yet to find a difference between type bond and the white PVA that we use, the Akquid here. Um, the uh, type bond is more expensive here and that's probably the main reason I stopped using it because I can get a what is it a US gallon for the same price as I can get a four liters which is actually more uh, of the acrid here so that that's where I started using that and then I started buying big buckets of the stuff and actually today I ended up I found an old type bond bottle that still had kind of it was kind of a third full. And I just filled it up with, um, white PVA on top of that. So now I've got like really mildly yellow glue. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So
0: did you say you, you used the equity here as
1: well? Yeah, okay. I, I used it. I still have got, still got some in the workshop. Um, oh, right. Okay. I just, i there's didn't done wrong with it. It's perfectly good. And that's why I say, I don't think is, I can't find any difference between Type bonds and acrid here. It, it, it really, I mean, it's just PVA glue. Um, I'm glad to
0: hear you say that because I've always assumed that I'm just being rinsed by the the hardware stores Um, but I'm getting a a less superior glue because everyone uses Titebond. Surely Titebond must be the winner.
1: Yeah, I think there's a perception because I've actually heard on another podcast someone saying, what do you think about these white PVAs you see on other YouTube videos? And um, it seems like Type bond has just been around for so long in the states that that's what everyone thinks of when they think wood glue there is something called yellow glue and so this is what i want to, to differentiate as far as i understand um my one of my old bosses who had a kitchen cabinetry shop they would use white pva for everything apart from when they needed a bit more strength there was a crucial little fiddly join or whatever they would go to the yellow glue. It was way different than, than type bond. It, it was like a PVA, but it had a, it was a very chemical smell and it was almost like, it smelled like thinners. There was definitely something else and it was not type bond, which is, so I think there's, and at the time I was too young to really care about what it was. So I can't tell you what it was. Um, it wasn't really my job. So I was just whatever. Um, but the, so. so as far as yeah, I just can't see what what the big deal is with Type Bond. I mean, yeah, they've got a few extra products. They've got their long open thing, and they've got one, two, and three, and um, just uh, yeah, just one.
0: Of, one of the things that I do think Type Bond, and and I'm, I might be wrong in this, but this is from from my understanding, they've got a, a food safe glue. And I don't know of a food safe Selys or, or seeker, but then having said that, you also hear a lot of people say that once the stuff cures, it's right. a nerd. So the, the idea of glue being food safe is just ridiculous because it's all the same once it's
1: once it's cured. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, I don't know um, about food safe. I would say that, yeah, once something has kind of off-gassed quote unquote, um, and it's dry. I can't see that unless it's asbestos. Uh, it must be fine. <laughs> um, there was a video by uh, that John Haas
0: did a couple of weeks ago where he was he was testing uh, wood glues. I think that was, with was the that? Video, John Heiss. Oh yeah. And he was talking about the difference between the white and the yellow glue because I've never known this. And the yellow wood glue has some resins in it, which causes it to dry hard. Whereas the white PVA, and this is something that annoys me with it when I use it, it never dries quite hard. So mm. if you come, you know, when I did my dining table and I had all this glue all over the top from all the joints, you hit, your, you hit it with your belt sander and it just yeah. digs into it because it can't. And from that perspective, I really want to try the yellow glue because I try I enjoy working with epoxy because you can,
1: mm. you can I have, sand that down. So I've just been working on it. A- A project for the house I haven't been filming it just because it's too difficult at the moment it's a bookcase which I should be filming it but anyway I'm not um so I've just glued up a bunch of red oak for the shelving and some of it was used with tight bond which I had left over and some was white PVA and and this is something I've found previously. I had the same problem where the, the yellow goes hard and the, the white is not so hard. But if you leave the white PBA longer than normal, like give it a couple of days before you touch it, and it will go rock hard. Uh it just doesn't happen as quickly. So that's okay. really my only takeaway from type bond over the years has been that it goes off much quicker. So you can so for a white PBA, right. I'll leave it clamped for two hours and I could probably get away with type bond after an hour interesting now i wonder if that's got a lot to do with the humidity where
0: i am then as well because i swear this glue was left for days and it never it never cured hard this is the the silliest awkward here it never ever went hard which is obviously in in your head you'd start thinking well then what's going on with my join (laughs) if if it's not going hard but maybe that maybe that's the humidity it's it's just too humid here for the stuff to go off in a couple of days maybe in two weeks be also hard.
1: there's a difference between a drop, like a quite a lot of glue going hard, and the very thin layer that's on the timber. That will go off way quicker oh, yeah, than yeah. than the <laughs> drop. So that's when I know something's ready to come out of the clamp. If if the drop is is gummy and pretty hard, then the small piece of glue in the in the joint is going to be much harder as long as it's not a really big deep joint in which case it needs longer to to cure because there's less um oxygen getting to it and all the rest
0: yeah i've just seen something from ian beckett silly say the exterior wood glue is food safe and recommended for chopping boards which is interesting because in the adverts um his name's carl he was on one of these home reno shows i can't remember his surname (laughs) um he's promoting it there, making a a a, a chopping board or, or, or like a a serving tray out of it. And right. so, yeah, it must be food safe, so, huh. yeah. Um, yeah, okay, so, yeah, that's that's really interesting. I must I must give this yellow glue a try. Martin was just saying that it would be interesting to do a comparison between the Aquid here
1: and yeah. the tight bond. I've wanted to do that for ages, actually. Yeah. All right, so then the next
0: question, Small Fry DIY, that's a really cool <laughs> name. <laughs> Hey, Robin, love the podcast. Thank you very much. Would love to know uh, how what products to use in Australia to take care of cast iron table saw tops. Uh-huh. I'll, let, I'll let you start that one, Joey. I don't actually have a table saw yet, but I have um, a lot of experience
1: with okay, surface right Let me try to remember the name of the stuff. Uh, I've got to try to write it down. Oh, God. It's like... It's like a oil but it's not pins oil like the car oil it's like penzo something oil oh god it's like a linseed based stuff and it's for you to so you just wipe it on to to your your steel surface like you'll usually I'll sand it down a bit clean it up and it puts a layer of like it puts like a hard film like almost like a waxy layer on, on your the iron and it just wears off naturally over with use and you can actually see that it um starts kind of dulling off you lose that kind of glossy look and then you know it's time to to put another coat on um it takes probably overnight to dry but um it's really nice stuff actually i've I've had a bottle and i've had it for probably five years it just goes and goes Penetrol? Further fabrication Uh, to
0: Penetrol. That name sounds very familiar. I'm sure I've seen it.
1: Maybe that's what it is. Penetrol. Yeah, something like that. It's a little black tin with a stupid lid you can't get off. (laughs) And and, um, yeah, it's really got a heavy linseed oil base to it. Bloody awesome. I think they say it's meant to be, you could use it as a primer for painting steel as well.
0: Well, the, the 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 penetrol, I'm sure my old neighbour, a builder, t- told me about this this product that you use to paint on old paint surfaces, and it absorbs Not into that, the paint right. and sticks it to the walls. Like, uh-huh. and that's what you paint on first. And then you, if if it's like a glossy surface, you paint it on, it saves you from having to sand it. And I'm so sure that it was called Penetrol. Right? Yeah, could be about. Um, now just that would be just, the best thing. Yep. Just to elaborate on the um, putting the stuff down on your table saws, I've tried using wax for my jointer and my thickness planer. Sometimes it works really well. Sometimes it doesn't work well. So this is the this is the type of wax that I'm using. It's just a normal uh, oh, yeah. beeswax. Are you supposed to put it on, wait for it to dry, and then buff it, or do you put it on, rub no, it no. in?
1: don't ask me about wax i have not had any success i don't know what it is i cannot put a wax finish on anything and make it look nice i just just get like swirly marks i've tried waiting for it to dry and then buffing it i've tried buffing it in straight away I've every i've tried every variant that i've heard of and i think to be honest i think it may be to do with the average temperature is too high mm. to let the wax actually harden off, and it just stays kind of semi-soft. And so, the one time I did a tabletop with it, it looked mint until you touched it, and then you just had this big hand smudge touched across hand, the way. Yes.
0: Well, I've and used it once on my jointer, and it worked amazingly. I could have just thrown the boards across, and they would have. <laughs> they would have. It was, but that was, and then I could. I've never been able to replicate it. And maybe, as you say, it's because it's so. Warm here yeah. all the time. It always just stays tacky, and it never fills those voids. Yeah, yeah. Um, such bad luck with that.
1: There is uh, you can get a dry lube. A bunch of people will make it, and it's actually for this purpose. This isn't a spray can. And so you'd give you your steel um, a clean up, and spray the stuff on. Let it dry for whatever however long. It's probably only twenty minutes, and it again puts a thin film coat on, which they say won't come off it you know, won't come onto the work pieces it will stay on on the steel um and i have a can of that i use it every now and then for lubricating the runner on my uh, on my saw or any anything else with bearings or anything um so that is an option it's nice and easy to spray it on and that's it and the various people will make it
0: the silicon spray is what i've had the most luck with yeah, but it-
1: good in a workshop man no <laughs> Why is that because you're putting silicon particles everywhere and you try and glue silicon together. Like if so you you're running your timber over something that's got silicon on it, and then you try and put glue on that surface and you've just transferred silicon onto it. It's a piece of our it very thin, but maybe I've just got
0: like maybe I didn't I didn't even think about that.
1: That's the biggest concern. Like it's great stuff for making stuff slippery. But it's terrible. Uh, I know um, when I was a, a kid, my friend's dad was a, um, a, a car sprayer, and you were not allowed silicon spray anywhere near his shop because if you got silicon spray on a car and then he tries to spray over it, you know, this, this is the end of the world. It's not going to work. So, um, yeah, from okay. That point of view, That's good to know. Yeah, I didn't, spray I didn't. I did a great that. lubricant, but terrible for anything else. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> I must say, I also use that on, because uh, up here, everything rusts. It's just a matter of time. So yeah. like my drill press was out, it was under the house, but outdoors for about three months. And my chuck looked like 70 <laughs> yeah. years old. It was just <laughs> awful. Uh, but in in regards to the, the question of um, keeping your tabletop in good shape, uh, his name's uh, Dirk. Uh, Sumos project he's down. uh, I think he's down in New South Wales somewhere I saw a video where he sort of took care of his rusted table saw and brought it back to uh, to a a good shine with table saws Do you need to keep it pristine all the time or or should you just expect that? Sometimes if you don't use it, it's going to rust and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it In other words, don't get too hung up on this idea of making it shiny all the time
1: I I just let mine kind of do what it needed to do. Um, I just didn't like it when, cause at one point I had a leak in my roof, which was right above my, my saw and I'd have like what I'd come in in the morning and would be like this drip pattern of, of rust starting yeah. and I'll just hit it with the orbital sander. Um, I just didn't generally like it, but also you get to a point where you can feel the roughness, this, this deal is just kind of doing whatever it needs to do. And, um, and I much, prefer, it, it just is much easier to slide timber across when it's yeah, yeah, nice and smooth, yeah. I guess that's probably it. Yeah, I don't really, it's not like like damaging bit, this steel. No. I mean, I've heard people say like, oh, don't put drinks down on my cast iron or whatever. You're like, well, what? It's just a sore. Like it, it doesn't need to stay looking like a mirror, but, um, mm. you know, you don't want to treat it like shit either, but it's yeah. got to be, it's a tool. So, yeah.
0: Where my uh, joints lives and just underneath my, or underneath the side of my aircon, and they, when I got them out here to come and clean out all of the radiator, they put this big bang underneath the the aircon and then they just get this like water gun and they spray the inside. Oh, yeah. and I said to him, do you need me to move that tool? It's not going to go away." No, no, don't worry, don't worry. Did a thing left, and there was just all this black stuff <laughs> all over the bed. Awesome. And I just looked at it, and I thought, thank goodness I've caught this now, so it's not going to have a chance to, to, uh, to rust or anything. But, yeah, right. it just happened. So I'll know <laughs> next time to move it out the way. All right, we've got two more questions. So this one is from Trent's Timberworks. I saw Joey using a router to make half-blind dovetails. What sort of bit do you use and how do you set this up? Would it be better to use a drill press and a force number to remove most of the bulk and a chisel to clean it up?
1: Okay. Right, dovetails. Um sorry, it always takes me a few minutes to get my head around dovetails, even now, like I still it doesn't just happen in my head about which part which part gets cut which way. Like I always um, get my two pieces of wood and like right this bit's <laughs> going to look like this and this bit's going to look like this like yeah Um, so half blinds so obviously you do the tails the regular way so you're looking at the pins so that would be like the draw front side um, what do I do I mark out the where the waste needs to be cut away and um with uh, a marking knife or something like that to cut the fibers. And generally then I'll just set, set that, um, jaw front in on its end. So its end was up in the vice. And ideally you'd put some kind of scrap timber around it. So you have like a flat platform to reference the router off. Um, sometimes I don't do that because it's quicker not to, <laughs> um, uh, So it depends on the depth. I often just use a, with a small router bit, um, I think it's a quarter inch shank. The small router bits tend to just have one cutter on them. They're like a one sided cutter instead of a two sided. So I just use like whatever, whatever cutter I have that fits really. Um, the only, I guess the only concern would be how deep you're cutting. I tend to not want to cut more than 10 mil deep with at a time um it's better to do that in one pass because you've got more material to reference the router on at the top but um if if you can't do it in one pass then obviously you're going to have to do it in two but it just i find it a bit more awkward to come around again and do it um but really the only adjustment to consider is the depth Uh, other than that it's just Hold your breath and hold the router really tight. Could <laughs> you end up there. with
0: just a, a more rubbish cut when you're you're driving it through like that or should should that not make
1: it? Uh, it's actually interesting the way timber when you're routing the end grain, the timber cuts and you get like lots of tiny thin long shavings. It's not like when you're routing uh, on the flat of the timber. Mm. And so it cuts pretty easily actually. Um as long as you don't bury the bit, you just kind of sh- shave away from the front to the back. I find it works pretty good. But, um, yeah, I, it really is just a matter of don't cross your lines and then go back with the chisel. But it just makes it really quick. I mean, I've done it with chisels, and it's just a bit more bloody time-consuming. I think you could use a force in a bit as well. It would work. Um, I've never done it because I, I find the router just works better or I, I say i can't say that because i haven't done the other one i find it <laughs> uh, it works easier <laughs> easy for me yeah maybe yeah
0: all right i'm not going to weigh in on this conversation because i don't have enough experience with <laughs> i don't think i've ever done half blind dovetails so i mean i know what they are but i've never done them myself all right then the last question is from bill mansa here's one for joey what made him go, well actually before I finish this question, anyone in the chat, um, I know there's a bit of a delay. So if you do have any other questions, quickly fire them off now and then we can, we can try and fit them all in. So from Bill Mansa, here's one for Joey. What made him go for the hammer saw over something else? I'm not sure what that's referring to.
1: Uh, my table saw, my new ah. um, bench saw, it's a hammer. So I did a bit of research on new saws. Now I, I don't think I've told the story so, the beginning, it was January 1 of 2017, I decided to buy a new saw. And if anyone remembers, it was October when I actually got it. So, I put the order in, long story, long story short, I put the order in for the saw um, in the beginning of March. And um, so it took quite a long time for me to actually get the saw um so i did a lot of shopping around felder who makes hammer so if you don't know felder is is the main brand hammer is their lower end versions um so felder is your full-on commercial stuff the hammer stuff is slightly less specced and made for the smaller shops and and home shops. Still good so, quality though. Yeah, so the saw I have is the top of the line for the Hammer brand. The next step up would be Felder, which is the first commercial size. Um, they're actually exactly the same, I think. They just have different branding uh, for the first step up. So And the top end of Felder is like $80,000 for a saw. So, yeah, it's yes. just... You can just you can keep going. Um, so as, what, I, what I ended up doing was just directly emailing Felder in Germany or I think they're in Germany. Google translated my email. So God knows how it read. <laughs> <laughs> Some guy in the office was laughing at it. <laughs> I imagine <laughs> it was hilarious. Um, so I said, look, I want a new saw. I've got a YouTube channel. Help me out. And um, so this is why it took so long because... They were like, yeah, this sounds really cool. What do you want? I'm like, I want a saw. <laughs> um, <laughs> they said, tell me what you want. So I told them what I want. And they so then they were just asking like a thousand questions, like how many views do you get? You know, all the stuff you could imagine. Where are your yeah, audience? Now, is this
0: all over Google Translate as well? Or uh, no.
1: Then they, they put me on to a New Zealand contact. Right. And then he was transferring it back to Germany. And so there's this big... Uh, Kind of delay in getting responses and so in the end they said you're right we'll help you out they gave me a pretty good discount off the saw and all they wanted is for the saw to be in videos so that's the easiest thing you could you can do did, did they stipulate like
0: how many videos or that's what
1: i thought they were going to do because at first they were leaning it sounded like they were going to just say here's a saw and i was like please this is going to be awesome but uh, no <laughs> i still had to I still had to fork out bloody good money for it, um, but they just said we want it in videos, and that's it. So, fine, I can do that. Um, that's pretty cool because I've heard um, the the making of
0: podcast guys talk about how they've stopped now yeah. because they don't ever want to feel beholden to mm. the tool company. They just don't do tool. Yeah. So it's interesting that they're so lenient with it.
1: Well, it was not because it's not really a direct sponsorship. It was more like okay, we'll give you a discount and we know that you've got a, a legitimate YouTube presence and people are going to see it and that's all they want is exposure. So I'm, I'm happy for that. So um, that's in the end why I ended up going to Felder mainly because they actually returned to my email, um, but they're bloody good. So I love it. And if you can afford it, go for it. Um, like there's I say, a, it's not free for me. I still have a large payment to make.
0: There's a, a uh, man. I can't remember his name now. He's this German guy. He's he's fairly young, and he's got a little uh, workshop in his basement. Uh, man, he, I can't. Uh, can't
1: um, his name. Uh, Darius. Is it Darius? He's got the K3. But he's got a,
0: he's got a Felder. Yeah. And um, he it was amazing. He said there was one problem with it it was like some, uh, some, uh, measuring or some like uh, stop block type pin thing that he right. had to fix.
1: Okay. He said,
0: uh, then, ah, that's it. There we go. Thanks, Rob. Marcus, that's the one, Marcus something or mm. other. Um, and he got, and I, that was the first time that I'd see it cause I've never actually right. witnessed a felled saw in my life. I've only yeah. seen one video and it was just, man, what a cool looking saw. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, they rival the Allen style, big panel saws um at the high end at the lower end i think there's definitely a difference between the felder stuff um but it's little things that don't really matter to smaller smaller workshop people um i could go on and on but i'm sure it would really not be interesting (laughs) with with those types of saws do you find that the everything
0: around them, coming from someone who doesn't yet have a table saw but will eventually invest in one, all the stuff that comes around that means that there's no point in me getting a a high-end felder because I don't have, like, for example, I don't have a flat concrete surface to even put the thing on. Oh Well, neither do I. (laughs) Well, And that's what I'm asking. So do you need to be in a certain level with a certain spec shop, certain power, Uh, uh,
1: or do you just buy the thing and it's it's awesome? I would just Like, if you want to make dead, perfectly square cuts and, and like, essentially delete your jointer by using the, the saw, um, just go for it because it, it makes my life so much easier. Like, uh, it's essentially a drop saw as well. Like, I mean, it does everything you could want it, anything to do. Um takes up a lot of room, but I've actually found it takes up – we have more space in the workshop be- because of the way it works I don't need all my auxiliary tables around the other saw. Mm. So I actually have more free space and I can just slide the slider one way or the other. And um, yeah, it works way better in my workshop.
0: Yeah. Martin's just corrected me. Marius Hornberger. That is uh, the one that i think about, okay. Marcus, Marius. Close enough, Rob. Uh, yeah. Cause I've been looking at the saw stop just cause I, I think oh, yeah. technology is good. And, and I don't know that's a, it's a whole can of worms, but um, but the, the other reason that I've been looking at that's just because that's something that I could potentially one day afford. Where's these welders yeah. and that these these yeah. panel saws? I mean, they're just it's yeah, just it's stupid one. Well,
1: I think the K three, which is the smaller version, this must be about eight thousand or something.
0: Oh, that's not too bad actually. I thought I thought they all started fifteen up.
1: No, my one is about fifteen. Yeah.
0: Must be very cool. Uh but yeah, for yeah. for someone who's not yet using it to make a living full time, you just you you can't. I mean that's a car. I yeah.
1: There
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah. was debates. I tell you, there was debates. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um uh so Ian what saw does George use? I'm not I'm not sure.
1: CM, I think. S C M, which is a rival to your Allen Dorfs and your Felders.
0: All
1: right. Yeah, Jason, buy a second-hand one. That's a good idea. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, so what have we been watching? I'll oh. start this off. There's a channel that I found probably about a week ago called Finnish carpentry TV. He's doing pretty well. Uh, I think he's been around for a fair, but he's just really good on camera and he's a carpenter by trade. So he's in and out of jobs and it's it's I, I find the the building aspects of carpentry instead of just necessarily furniture making. I find the building side quite interesting. But the reason why I got onto this guy's channel was the first video that I watched, he was talking about a real bodge job from the the carpenters before. but in the in the so the process of explaining that, he kept saying, but I don't want to rag on this carpenter, the previous carpenter, because I don't know what situation he was in. And it was such a refreshing change because I I can't stand when I, when I watch videos with professionals, uh, you know, uh, craftsmen and they just talk rubbish about the person before them and about the work, the quality of their work, just, and they just go to town on the guy because as someone who's, still learning a lot of things like mm. i've done some diy jobs around the house that yeah they were they were pretty subpar but how else <laughs> are you supposed to learn yeah true um so i'm i'm not saying we should just all accept that poor craftsmanship is okay but like i don't want to hear you whinging about it i'm here to learn i'm not here to hear about how much better you are than the last guy. anyway yeah, my yeah. little that's it that's my little rant anyway um finnish carpentry tv is very cool very good at explaining stuff and if you are a carpenter or a, you know in that sort of trade or interested in that would highly recommend this channel
1: cool um duché and wolf i've been watching these guys forever but they disappeared for like two years um, and today i see he uploaded two new videos i've watched one of them Um, I think what happened is he has shifted. He's moved into state somewhere in the States. If you don't know, he makes the most outrageous handmade, mostly hand tool furniture. It's the best, like actually probably the best quality furniture I've ever seen. Um, It's museum quality. It's uh, just outrageous. And his his, uh, attention to detail and precision is uh, outrageous. So, give them a look they're back on youtube's the only thing i i would the only thing i i guess my peeve about his videos is that he just needs a bit more like give us some more he puts a lot of still shots in and a lot a lot of captions and it's just talk or something it would be really nice And so many people wanna, so want from to
0: so a, from a production well,
1: standpoint just and from a watching point of view like it's the video style is very much from five years ago, which he uh, was okay. doing. He hasn't really changed his style, which is fine, but it does make the videos tricky to watch because you're like, wait, wait, go back. I want to see that for like another <laughs> angle or, or not just a still shot, like explain how you did that step. And I understand fully because he's a commercial guy making these pieces t- to, um, make his bread and butter. But, Yeah, give us a bit more detail, please. Yeah. Otherwise, yep. That's me. All
0: right. So we'll have links to these uh, videos or channels below. Um, So if you guys do want to have a look, if you're watching the YouTube video. Other than that, uh, nothing else from the chat. Joey, is there anything else you wanted to mention?
1: Uh, Nothing that we've only got two seconds for. So that's fine. (laughs) Cool. All right. Well,
0: thank you very much to everyone in the chat. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions. I uh, really do appreciate it. Uh, we'll probably be back to a normal episode next week. But just a reminder that next week is going to be Monday, Monday evening. So we do hope to see you hope to see you there. Um, all right. Well, my name is Robin from RobinLewisMakes.com. I was joined by Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks. And unfortunately, Jordan Crawford from Periodic Furniture Studio wasn't able to make it tonight, but I'm sure we'll see him next week. All right, guys. Thanks very much. We'll see you next Monday night. um, Sort of the same time, same place. See ya.